Welcome to another episode of the Scouting Report. Joining us today is Desmond Prusha, sophomore quarterback of junior college, ASA Miami Silver Storm. Desmond, thanks for coming on the podcast today. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, we really appreciate you jumping onto this call. So we're just going to hop right into it. I've been reading a lot about you and uh, through talking to you, I've learned a lot about you. And one of the things that sticks out to me most about how you've started playing football and, and what it means to you was your grandfather. Can you take us through um, a little bit about him and what he meant to you and why he's so important to your football journey? Sir, so my grandfather was a huge football fan and uh, he grew up a diehard Huskers fan. So he wasn't able to play football himself growing up because um, his father made him stop going to school young so that he could start working. That's kind of how it was back then in his era and especially in the small town of Nebraska that he did live in. It was uh, called Takema and he uh, wasn't able to play football himself. So before his passing, my mom had had four boys before his passing. And she told him that, Stacy, you have four grandsons. Uh, you've given me four grandsons. One of them's got to be a Husker. So he really wanted one of us to someday potentially play for Nebraska, but all in all, just wanted us to, you know, play football. And from the moment that I started throwing a football, he was there. Uh, my older brother was at school one day when he was in, I think, first grade, I believe. And uh, Eric Crouch was doing a, a tour uh, with his Heisman Trophy of all the elementary schools in Omaha. And uh, he met him and he asked him how he held a football when he threw it. And he showed him how he came home and showed me. He said, this is how Eric Crouch said he holds the football when he throws it. And so like, let's go, play, let's go play catch. We went out front. My grandpa sat there on the porch and it was my first three throws. I threw a spiral and like he starts clapping for me and cheering me on and everything. And he was really surprised. We were all really surprised. And from there on out, I just, I always wanted to play football and always wanted to make my family proud. It just made me feel really good. So then growing up, one of your uh, early teams that you were part of, I, uh, I understand you were with your uncle um, out in Iowa. Can you kind of take us through that experience and right, you know, as it all was getting started? Yes, sir. So um, I was in fourth grade. And I remember both of my uncles, uh, at the time I lived with my uncle, he was a truck driver. He was really on the road majority of the time. He was never really there. It was uh, me, my mom, and all my siblings. And this house, neighbors, closest neighbor was half a mile away. Uh, we're just in the middle of, a, of, we called it the farm, is what it was called. It's called the farm. We didn't have any animals there, but we called it the farm. And I remember seeing my uncles in the kitchen one day planning out making a semi-professional football team. They said that it was going to be an eight-man league. I didn't know that was even a thing. Uh, they were talking colors. They were talking team name, all that. They ended up being called the Mills County Militia. Their colors were uh, Vegas gold and green. He created the team. He had quite a bit of land out front of the house, and he made that the football field. And I'm pretty sure he made it an eight-man semi-pro team because of how much land that he had. He had enough land to make that legal field for them to play on. So our front yard ends up turning into the, the football field. We've uh, put it, made some stands out of wood, made a scoreboard out of wood. The numbers were actually painted on boards that we had to put on when they scored and uh, just made it a little, a little nice area, a little family, a family team. It was called Robert L. Prusha Memorial Field, named after my grandpa. And yeah, it just took off from there. I was a water boy to start off. 
And uh, my older brother was the ball boy, but he kind of fell off a little bit because he was like older and started getting into his own sports. And so I stayed with it and I was the ball boy and water boy a lot, multiple times. And so that, that had me always catching footballs, throwing footballs, shagging kicks, just always around football, you know? That's when I started learning how to run routes and catch the ball really well. And that's actually when it was a year or two before I actually started playing on an actual legal tackle team. So yeah, all the older guys on the team would always spread wisdom on me and give me tips because they would see me trying to do all the things that they did on the field. And I actually still to this day play like the quarterback that played for that team. Wow. That's cool. So you kind of modeled your game a little bit after him. Yes. A lot actually. Oh, that's cool. So then uh, let's, let's graduate up towards high school. Okay. So that's you when you're about nine, 10 years old, you know, now I'm going to take us, you're, you're living, you're in Omaha and I'm going to quickly set a stage. You're the backup quarterback on an Omaha Brian high school football team that is not winning games. And then you go and get your first start and you have a monster game. They get their first win that they've had in quite some time. And you know, I, I'm wondering, you know, can you just kind of take us behind the curtain and walk us through, like, really, what was that game like for you? Yeah, coming in, I was the backup quarterback. Didn't know if I really even wanted to play quarterback, but I felt like, you know, uh, once I got put in that spotlight and I got the ball in my hands every play, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I could do this. And so I actually started trying to play quarterback and I, I won the starting job. Coming to that game week three, the year before when we played them, I didn't play. Um, this school was known for being one of the best schools in the state. And then we show up to the game and it felt like everybody just knew who I was because I had had a really big game against our rivals before that. And we come in, we get out there on the field and something just felt different. Something felt different this time. Usually we didn't always have the best starts, but it's the third game of the season. A lot of guys weren't expecting to win this game, but I knew that we could. So I come into this game it's their homecoming game. So it's packed. They have signs saying a lot of stuff and everything. Oh boy. And we come in, we zone all that out and we get the ball first. We drive all the way down to the field, get down to the one yard line. Right from there though, we were like, okay, like we got a good start. We got something rolling for us. We got something going. And so we just stuck to it and kept playing. I believe I went seven for seven on that first drive, getting us down the field. And then uh, we come back out second quarter, I had thrown a, a back shoulder to my receiver up top and he got a touchdown. So that was the first touchdown of the game. And then at halftime, we were actually losing, but there was just something different. Nobody even wanted to be in the locker room. Like we did not want to be in the locker room. We, we wanted to get back on the field now. We want to go. We want to play. We come out. We're in like two minute drill. It's like the end of the game. They're up by, uh, they were up by five. It's the end of the game. They're up by five. It was 15 to 10. And we get the ball in the middle of the end. Like I got the ball on the two yard line coming out. So I'm like, Oh yeah, we gotta, we gotta get the ball out quick. We start driving, we get to the 50 yard line and then uh, the ball gets snapped to my running back instead of me and ends up being a fumble. They recover it. And for some reason they threw the ball three plays later, we picked it off, took it all the way back and uh, then punched it in. And so then now they're driving, they ran a trick play. They threw it up top. The receiver catches it, but they called him down on the one yard line and something just kept telling me that something was going to happen. And I'm watching the quarterback gets blown up under center. They're under center. They're going ISO to the right quarterback is blown up and it's a fumble. We get the ball on the two yard line. We now have to take a knee on the two yard line and we take the knee. I get thrown into the end zone. 
their players start arguing with the refs. And then I just look at the clock and it just runs down. And I just took off. We're all celebrating. It's like we won the Super Bowl. It was like the best feeling that I have had in a game in a long time because of I know how much time and effort it took for all of us guys and like how much we were fighting for it and how much we wanted it. Like it meant so much more to us than it did to anybody else. So I end up coming to school that next Monday and my coach comes up to me and he hands me a laminated article. And it's a picture of me on the front page of the paper celebrating. And in the article, it said that I was a top performer of the game, had my stats and my name kind of got out from there. Started getting a lot of attention from uh, a lot of schools after that. I want to fast forward because that first win, that's really sweet. But as a program, it was still a really tough high school who mostly struggled despite having you and, you know, a couple of, you know, solid members on that team. You were in a tough division and, you know, now you're a college quarterback. You play uh, in junior college and the average listener, I just want to reel off a couple of stats. You know, there's a lot of big names in the NFL that have played in junior college. You know, some of the bigger names that are currently in the NFL include running backs, Antonio Gibson and Alvin Kamara, you know, defensive stars like Jason Pierre-Paul, Levante David, and then your position quarterback, Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen both played Juco. And, you know, even though there's less than 5% of the league is, you know, a member from Juco, there still are, you know, big names and big talents that rise out of these ranks. So I would love to hear a little bit from you, you know, what is just like part of being such an underdog in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm playing in junior college. I'm not playing D one or even D three. What is the biggest point of emphasis, you know, in your day to day, how do you manage, you know, having the average fan look at your team and think less than. Yeah. So I actually, I think about this a lot daily. I think about how people really don't, a lot of people don't understand what junior college actually is, especially at a Juco that isn't necessarily the most known. And so with that, you know, some people were just now learning what Juco is because of Last Chance U. With that being a thing, they started to get the idea of it and figuring out what it is and how it works and stuff like that, right? So really the way that I stay positive and keep pushing forward through all of it is that I know that God has his plan for me and he has his timing and I just have to trust it, you know? I strongly believe that everything happens for a reason, that I'm here for a reason, and that God is going to take me wherever I'm supposed to go after this. So I know that I have the talent to play somewhere higher than this. I know that I do, you know? And I go off of Julian Edelman's thing that he said to Tom Brady. I tell myself it every day. You can either prove them right or you can prove them wrong. So prove them wrong. It's a great message to live by, um, especially when you're, you know, an underdog athlete like yourself. Sir. I think it applies to a lot of things, but specifically to what you're trying to achieve. I really mm-hmm. like that. As a talent evaluator, I've watched your film. I absolutely think that there's no reason you shouldn't have a shot at the next level. There's plenty of D1 quarterbacks that I would say you're, if not on par with, a little bit better. So appreciate that, sir. Absolutely. Here's a sideways question. Would you ever consider switching your position to get an opportunity? So I've actually, I've gotten that quite a bit, you know, honestly, I've played so many positions growing up that I really think that it wouldn't make a difference. I think that all around, I just consider myself an athlete, you know, so whatever's going to give me the best opportunity, the best shot, I'm, I'm going to take it, you know, whatever, whatever is going to get me to the next level. Of course, I want to play quarterback. That's what I want to do. But I definitely turned down quite a few schools coming out of high school that wanted me as an athlete rather than a quarterback because I think I'd be selling myself short by taking myself out of that position. 
especially with the stigma that comes from being African-American and playing quarterback. I want to be able to prove people wrong in that sense, you know, show them that I can play quarterback and that just because I can use my feet doesn't mean I can't throw the ball, you know, I can take control of this team and do what I need to do and be that leader for this team. But when it comes with whatever is best for the team, wherever I'm going next, I'm going to do what's best for the team. You know, out of the quarterbacks who came out of Juco, you know, I mentioned Rodgers and Josh Allen. Both of those guys are studs in the NFL. Can you compare your game to one of those guys above the others? Rodgers and Allen just have extraordinary arm strength. As far as like playmaking, though, I consider myself an improviser and playmaker. And, you know, throwing off of different platforms making unusual throws. Yeah. Making, yeah. Making, throwing the no looks and throwing the sidearms. And so in that sense, I definitely say more of like a Rogers in a way. And that's not, not even based off of arm strength and unlike that. That's, I, I feel like off of uh playmaking ability. So like if I get put into the right position to make play, I'm, I'm going to make it happen, you know? Okay. So that's really where I would sit with that. You know, walking into a game, how do you get ready? How do you prepare yourself for that moment? You know, I'm talking an hour before the game, all the way leading up to it. Are you listening to music? If so, what are you listening to? Are you listening to something else or is it quiet? How do you surround yourself with the right energy? So coming into the game in the locker room before, I definitely listen to music. I got my beats on and I'm listening to J. Cole. Yep. Mostly, pretty much. J. Cole, I listen to a lot of Kanye. I don't listen to a lot of newer music. I, I really don't. It's all a lot of like older, like J. Cole and older Kanye and things like that. My my go-to songs on game day, I got two go-to songs. And those come from when I was in fourth grade playing out front on my uncle's football field. My older brother would put these songs on while me, him, and my little brother would just play on that a malicious field and act like we're in game. And that's all of the lights and the show goes on. I listen to those every game day, no matter what. Ain't no mountain high enough listening to that. But lately I've been trying to listen to more of a calm vibe to what I'm listening to. I like, I like to be calm, cool, and collected. All right. Let's have a little more fun. Um, Pong, who is your dream teammate to play with? You can choose anybody. You can choose anybody football related. Anybody football related dream Pong partner would be, (laughs) uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a show called Blue Mountain State before. That was one of my favorite shows and me and my best friend in like middle school and early high school years would watch that show all the time. And uh, Alex Moran from Blue Mountain State. Yeah, I'm going to have to get buddy. on that. I'm going to have to check that out. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you got to. You got to. How about in real life? Who, who would you want to play with? Like maybe in the NFL? Oh, in the NFL dream pong partner? I definitely have Mahomes next to me. Oh, that'd be pretty tough. I'd- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I definitely have Mahomes next to me playing football. Nice. All right, cool, cool. Man, I'm just I'm looking at you and you and Mahomes. That actually like intimidates me. First of all, you got like similar hair, so like yeah, you guys would yeah. be looking similar. You're both tall and like lanky quarterbacks. So like yes, sir. Man, going up against you, I don't even know who I could pick. Just to, I'd have to I'd have to bring in someone intimidating if I wanted to go up against you, like like Ed Reed or someone like someone. Yeah, right. Just like everyone right. knows not to mess with, like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We, um, I actually got called, uh, Slim Mahomes on the internet. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. When the, uh, 
quarterback coach posted me on his page. They called me Slim Mahomes in the comments. Let's talk about that. You went viral on Twitter. And it was not too long ago. Uh, what was that energy like for you? Were, were, what was your phone like? You know, what, what was that moment like? So I got a lot of love on TikTok and a lot of love on Instagram. Mostly, mostly Instagram when, when I did get the love, when he posted me on there. Hmm. Whistle Sports hit me up. They asked me if they could use the video of me. Uh, it was the in the video, I catch the ball behind my back and throw it back to my little brother is actually the one who's catching it in that video. And I've been doing that since sixth grade, catching the ball behind my back like that. I, I taught myself how to do it randomly one day and just started doing it. When I was shagging kicks for the kicker for my uncle's team, he would kick the ball to me like 50, 60 yards and I'd catch it behind my back out the air. And they'd automatically look at my mom and ask her why I wasn't playing for a football team. Um, so I, I, I just learned that and picked that up and I actually picked it up the wrong way because I saw one of the guys on my uncle's team catching the ball behind his back, but he was catching it different. He was literally leaning forward and catching it behind his back. Me, I catch it like behind my back from the side where, you know, I, I, I can't see anything and just, I always know where it's going to be. And when he posted that, I didn't think he was going to get as much love as it actually did. I really didn't think it was going to get that much love because it's just something that I've always done. And it's an instinct at this point. And so I didn't think that so many people would find that fascinating. And so on Instagram, I got a, a, a good amount of followers from there. And I got a, a, a few pages that hit me up about it, asking me about it and talking to me about it and stuff, asking if they could use it. There was a few pages that posted it. And then later he posted another video of me making uh, sidearm throws, no look throws, throws on the run, all that. And that's when like a lot of people started knowing who I was after that. But that was that was definitely a really fun, exciting time. Uh, I look forward to getting back home and filming some more videos with him for him to post, you know. We uh, appreciate you jumping on the podcast today. This has been a lot of fun. And, you know, thanks for joining. I'm so excited to see what your journey brings for you in the future and you're welcome back anytime. Yes, sir. No, I really, really, really appreciate you having me. You bet, man. Thanks again. This podcast is hosted by Scott Eisenstadt and produced by Central Park Sound. Audio supervision, editing, and theme song by Jordan Schiff. Make sure to rate and review this episode. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and follow The Scotting Report wherever you listen to podcasts.